excited to have a guest with us this morning. Uh, Jordan, you can go ahead and start coming up. Uh, Jordan Carell uh, ministers at Valley Church, and he is in charge of the men's ministry there and also involved in life groups. And uh, so we're excited to have him here. He is going to be speaking from Habakkuk this morning. So uh, go to your table of contents, and uh, if you haven't been in Habakkuk for a while, we're in for a treat this morning. All right, so glad to be here. What a privilege, and uh, you're exactly right. You will need your Bibles, uh, so please find. Uh, and some people say Habakkuk, some people say Habakkuk. It's a, so, in fact, we actually don't know the proper pronunciation of his name. But here's, here's something that'll help you. It's in the Old Testament, right? So there are two parts. There's the New Testament and the Old Testament. It's toward the end of the Old Testament. You can remember Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, right? Zech, Zephaniah, Ze, uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, right? Then you can turn, you find Matthew. So if you're in Matthew or the Gospels, go the other way just a little bit. So you're going to need to, uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's just things aren't going to make sense. Here's something simple. If you have the Bible in front of you there, the blue one, I just looked it up, it's page 662. <laughs> so you can do that as well. I have um, a, a goal today, and that is to be faithful to God's Word, the text of Scripture that He's given to us from the book of Habakkuk. And I believe that doing that will be this idea of just encouraging ourselves around God's Word about what, what happens, what's going on, and what, what's expected of us, or what can we do when life just doesn't make sense. When things all around us just don't come together. And we see all these things happening, but we just can't understand. And when we don't understand, we can trust Him no matter what. Because that's what this text of Scripture is talking about. You know, what happens is, is that in our lives, not of these circumstances, they kind of seem to go from bad to worse. And that's exactly what's happening in the book of Habakkuk, especially in chapter 1, verses 5. And what we'll see there is, is God says, you know, even if I told you what was going on, you wouldn't understand it anyway. <laughs> so things are going from bad to worse, and maybe your life is like that or has been like that. Um, health, right? Um, sometimes it's just not what we expect. Relationships break down, fall apart, difficulties around us. We expected this. We hoped for that. We were headed this direction, and you have, it's not all turned out the way that you were hoping that it would. Um, before I get into all of that, I want to give you just a little bit um, of my background, of my, of my uh, just a testimony, so to speak. I grew up in a Christian home, and I learned about Christ from a very young age on a farm in southern Missouri. And my mother was involved in Child Evangelism Fellowship. So have you ever heard of, of flannel graph? Does anybody even know what that is? So there's flannel graph, the pictures of Jesus coming out of the tomb, Jesus dying on the cross. There's Daniel in the lion's den. There's King David with the sling and Goliath falls. And, and so my mom taught these stories to children, a very, very gifted teacher. And I remember hearing those passages of Scripture and 
being convicted in my heart and wanting to trust and believe in Jesus Christ. And God did that in my life. But I'm also here as a result of being uh, restored in my relationship with God through a, through a life of brokenness and through a life of difficulty, through a life of great pain that I indeed was part of the problem. And so I want to tell you a little bit about that at the end. But here is why it relates. It relates because in my own life, in my family's life, in our hearts and our difficulties that we had, we were trying to explain it. But when we see we couldn't explain it at the time, now God brings sometimes this full circle, this healing, this restoration, this forgiveness, and this encouragement. And I want to show you that about how God did it for Habakkuk, how God does it for you, and how God will continue to do that in our lives. One more story before we dig in. There was a dad who was, um, who had a son who was rebelling from the Lord. And the dad uh, was trying to reach his, uh, you know, son that was going into his late teens and trying to, trying to encourage him and help him and just was becoming, kind of going from, from bad to worse. His son was rebelling and rebelling and rebelling and so... There were a few glimpses of hope of, of this son remembering, trusting in Christ and following Jesus Christ. And finally, the dad um, took his son and his son's friend out on a boat. And as they were out on the boat, the, the son uh, actually um, repented of his sins and trusted in Christ and believed in him and... and um, Lots of celebration from the father. The friend was still trying to figure all this out. Like, I don't know about this Jesus stuff. I don't know about the Bible. And so a lot of struggling happened there. But while they were out there, the boat capsized. And as the boat fell over, the next thing uh, that the, the three of them found out was the dad was on the hull of the boat. The boat had tipped over, and he was holding on, and he was able to to dive under and find one lifeline, one lifeline. And when he looked again, he saw his son about a hundred yards that way, bobbing up and down for his life. And he saw his son's friend about a hundred yards the other way, bobbing up and down, struggling for his life. And the dad thought, wait, I, things are going from bad to worse here. This is not what I expected. What's supposed to happen? How, what do I do now? And the dad was put in a terrible situation. And so what he did was called out as loud as he could, I love you, son, and threw the rope to the other boy. His son died in the water. The other boy was saved. Things went from bad to worse, but later, but later, there was a preacher who was sharing the message of the gospel one day in Tennessee, and as he, he just sort of abruptly sat down at the end of his sermon, 
And this old gentleman kind of hobbled up and said, I want to I tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a, about a dad who had a son. And his son rebelled from the Lord, but he turned back to Christ. And he, and, and, uh, he, was, he, was, belie- he was believing and trusting his Christ, but his friend didn't. And we were ca- there was a capsized boat. And the, and the man was there, and he was trying to figure out, do I, do, do I save my son or do I save the other boy? And the man, he, the, the older gentleman is telling this story to this church, and he says, the, the, the decision was finally made. I will throw the rope to the one who has not believed and trusted in Christ yet, because there would be hope for him, whereas my own son has believed and trusted in Christ, and he will be in heaven forever. And the old man sat down. After church, everyone came up and said, how can this story be true? There is no way. There is no way that a father could throw the rope to the other boy. This is his son. How could a father do that? And the old gentleman said, well, let's talk about God. Let's talk about what God has done through Jesus Christ in sending His own Son to be the propitiation for our sins, to to take the punishment for our sins. Let's talk about what God has done through Jesus Christ. And the people said, that's God. God can do anything, but how could a dad do something like that to his own son? And finally, the people were just fed up and were just, there's no way that this could be true. And the man said, well... I'm that dad, and the pastor is this boy that was saved. Things sometimes go from bad to worse because God has a bigger plan. And sometimes in the middle of a capsized boat or a broken relationship or health that's falling apart or whatever it is, business going under or whatever it is that you need a lifeline for, you realize or we find out much later, that God's bigger plan is at work. And that's what we see in the book of Habakkuk. Will you read along as I read chapter 1, verse 1 through 5? The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to, to, to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at the wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Will you pray with me, please? Oh God, we come before you because you have these things figured out. And when we look at them, it looks like things are going from bad to worse. It looks like everything is going down and down and down, worse and worse and worse. but you see the whole picture, and you see everything. And what we have here is a privilege uh, to 
to read about your character and who you are. And even though we may not understand our situation, even though we may not ever come to grips with it, we have the joy, we have the privilege, we have the opportunity, even here this morning, to, tr to see what you do and how you do things. And hopefully, Lord, figure out why you do things. So, Lord, there are brothers and sisters in this room who are struggling with broken relationships and health and pain and difficulties and problems at work and problems with their neighbors. And, Lord, you, you know what's happening. You know what's going on. And fear and shame and and you have sent your son you've sent your son to die on the cross and restore that brokenness restore and heal and bless and Lord even if it doesn't all take place here in this world at this time in this life you like the the story of Habakkuk many years later hundreds of years later prove yourself faithful Prove yourself clear that you do this work according to your plan and your way for your glory. Will you bless our time? Will you bless your word? Will you minister to us so that we can hear it, we can receive it, we can believe it, we can know it, and we can go from here trusting and believing in you? Will you help us see what you have for us today? We pray for help. In Jesus' name, amen. In uh, the first thing we see when, when things are going from bad to worse are that um, God is always gives us general answers in his word. God always gives us general answers through his, the word of God. The very first verse, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. So what he's seeing is a visual representation of the message of Christ, what Christ wants to say, what the God wants to give to his people. So the message that you and I have are these words of God. And so he gives us a general understanding of his character, what he's like, why he does what he does, and a little bit of how he does what he does. And so the blessing that we have then is that we can read it. So we have it, so read it. That's what you're called to do first and foremost. For example, in chapter 1, verses 1 all the way through 11, it's just question after question. Why are these things happening? It just seems so unexplainable. It seems so confusing. So God gives this answer in verse 5, right? And Habakkuk then comes back in verse 6 through 11 and says, uh, that doesn't sound like you. I thought you were this way, but now it's this way. And what God is doing is he's given us a general understanding of how he works through the scripture. But sometimes specifically in our situation, we just can't see it. We just can't see it yet. Okay? Yet. In chapter 1, verses 12, all the way through the end of chapter 2, we see God saying, but I am going to be just. I am going to justify what I do. Okay, and so what we see in this sort of layout of the second part of Habakkuk is I am going to 
Take justice into my hands. Trust me. Believe me. Wait upon me. And then in chapter 3, you see a prayer of Habakkuk. And finally, Habakkuk is giving us this sort of model. Throw your hands up in the air and say, Okay, Lord, I will trust you. And right at the end, he says that very, very famous passage of Scripture. You know, the one where it says, Though there be no uh, field of, let me just read it. Fig trees should not blossom, no fruit on the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield, yield no food, and there be no herd in the stalls. That sounds like an economic fiasco. I mean, Iowa agriculture, we know about failed crops, don't we? That's what's going on. And what does Habakkuk say? Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. And so what Habakkuk is saying is, in this book of the Bible, he's saying, I still don't understand it. And everything is going wrong. Everything really, truly has gone from bad to worse. But this is my calling, and this is my opportunity. You see, the Word of God comes to us again and again to speak to us generally about who God is and what He's doing. And sometimes it's, not, it's, in the, it's only in the times when it's unexplainable that we actually dig in and we realize new things about God. When we can explain things, we're not searching. We're not trying. We're not seeking in His Word to figure out what's going on. We're sort of chilling. We're sort of setting back saying, yeah, this makes, this makes total sense of what's going on. Think about it like this. All of God's work is about this idea of salvation, justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And so his whole word is just pointing to that. And it's not explaining my difficult situation. It's not explaining our problems. In fact, it's even saying in verse chapter 1, verse 5, I'm going to just not tell you because you wouldn't understand anyway. But it's about me. See, the general answers are more about who God is. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, uh, Habakkuk says, Look, I'm going to go up. I'm going to watch. I'm going to look. I'm going to wait for you to speak to me. I'm going to let you talk to me so I can hear and see what you have to say. And then again in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, Habakkuk says, I'm going to trust in you. And perhaps you remember over and over again in God's Word, Psalm 119, 105 is, is our favorite. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so what happens is when I can't explain things, I can't see the way. I don't know the direction that I should take. But what then I open God's Word, and God gives me just enough light for the step I'm on. He gives me just enough light to take that next step. He gives me just enough explanation for me to trust in Him one more day without understanding why things are truly going from bad to worse. Or perhaps you remember... Um, Proverbs chapter 3 where it says your words are like gold refined seven times. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. Why? 
that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's what's going on. God isn't giving us his answers so that we will seek truth in his scripture. We'll open this up and we'll find it. We'll see that God has got something bigger going on. You know, I, there's nothing I would wish more than to all the sex trafficking in this world to be stopped. I, I just wish it were done. I, just, I can't get in my head why it keeps going. Why this happens more and more. Yes, there's money, there's profitable, it's profitable to these evil, wicked people. I, don't, I, I wish terrorism. Why is, there, why is there hatred towards policemen? Why are policemen struggling? Why do policemen make mistakes? I just wish all of that would go away. I wish it was done. Drug use, drug abuse, divorce, brokenness, difficulties. Just please just go away. But that's not God's way of thinking. God's way of thinking calls us deeper to figure out, to go to Him and trust in Him. My dad died sub suddenly about six years ago, and, then, and my mother had just debilitating dementia. And she was just going downhill, downhill, downhill. In fact, you know how it is. The caregiver is the one that struggles and probably killed my dad just trying to take care of my mom. Well, this didn't make any sense. What's happening here? And then my mom, a couple of years later, she dies, right? Because that's, that's kind of how it goes. And many of you know that in, in your parents and friends and difficulties. It just didn't. It, and guess what? I still don't understand it. I still don't understand it. But here's what I do know. God is good. God is working. He's working behind the scenes. And he's giving me general answers about what he's doing, and how he's doing it. If we had all the answers, if I had all the answers, I wouldn't seek, for the, seek God himself. Let's think about it this way. If I, didn't, if I would, had the answer, I wouldn't seek the one who gives the answer because I have the answer. If I can explain everything, then I don't need God. And so that's what the Word of God is for is for us to get general ideas of who God is, how He works, why He's working that way, and His perfect plan for our lives. Our job is to, instead of, instead of getting the answers, is to get to know God Himself. Jesus does not need us to, uh, to do His will or fix the world. He doesn't need us to solve the sex trafficking problem. He uses us, but He calls us. Why? to know Him and to come close to Him. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, here's what we see. God always calls us to grow in our faith. God always calls us to grow in our faith. First of all, God always speaks to us generally in His Word. We see that over and over again. In these verses we see He calls us to grow in our faith. It's called sanctification. It's called being more like Jesus Christ. And that's His call in our lives. When we can't explain things, that's what's going on. It's not God's preference for, for all these evil, wicked things in the world or for the brokenness in your heart and your family and your, your, your situation. But it is His plan. It is God's plan. Can you get your head around that? It's God's plan. 
all of these things for his glory. Here's, here's what it means. We have more and more Christ-likeness. So, receive it. So receive it. He's calling us to this deeper faith so that we have more and more Christ-likeness so we can receive it more and more. Look at these verses again. Chapter 1, verse 2. Violence. Uh, you know, the thing when I read these verses, am I reading a, a 2,600-year-old text or am I reading KCCI News? Violence. Why do you not save? Why do you idly look around? I mean, this is what I feel like judges and politicians do in our world. Destruction and violence everywhere. Strife and contention all over the place. The law is parallel. There's no justice. Justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. The justice is perverted. Daily? Right here in Iowa, right? And this is what Habakkuk's going, why, Lord? Why? Why is this happening? You and I are saying the same thing. In our situation, what is happening and why is it like this? Well, Pat, perhaps you remember the uh, story of, of Habakkuk. Here's, here's what's going on. In 600 A.D., there's Judah, the southern kingdom, is rebelling against God, just completely turning away from him. To make matters worse, they saw the tribes of Israel do the same thing not too far many years before. And what God did was he punished them. He brought all kinds of, of uh, military advance against them and destroyed the, the nation of Israel. The ten tribes of Israel. Now here we have the two tribes, Judah, in the south, watching what they do, and they just imitate it. Well, hey, it's not going to happen to us. Well, sure enough, what does God say? It is going to happen. And so here's how this kind of lays out. This is kind of interesting. The situation which Habakkuk faces is the imminent evasion of the southern kingdom of Judah. The invasion did eventually happen, at the end of the 6th century B.C., Jerusalem fell to Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. The Lord revealed to Habakkuk beforehand that Judah was going to be punished for his sin by the Chaldeans. And that's what verses 6 through 11 is about that we're going to look at here in just a minute. Unlike Joel, Zephaniah, Amos, these prophets, can you think of the difference those guys were out there prophesying the same, almost the same kind of prophecy. But unlike those guys, what did they keep saying? They kept saying, repent, repent. If you repent, God will stop. And they kept saying, did the people repent? No. Habakkuk is not saying, never once do we see the word repent in, in the book of Habakkuk. Here's what we see. We see it's going to happen no matter what. God wasn't giving them a chance to be done with this. God just said, this is the way it's going to be. And sure enough, it did. It happened just according to that. Habakkuk doesn't even give it. It was too late. He predicts the destruction of Judah beyond the doom of the Chaldeans. They're the same as the Babylonians. And he promises the only way to preserve their life is through judgment is by faith. See, that destruction was for the nation. It was for a group of people. It was for an organization. It was for all this type of thing. But there was hope for individuals. 
Hope for individuals who hold on to the confidence of their faith in Christ. So what happens when things get bad? We are all called to grow in Christ's likeness in faith. God is always working behind the scenes so that we can have it. In fact, probably the most famous verse in the whole book of Habakkuk is chapter 2, verse 4. How many of you have seen that? It's mentioned three times in the New Testament, and it's these, the, the end of verse chapter 2, verse 4, where it says, But the righteous shall live by his faith. Let me read the whole verse. <clears throat> Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. That's talking about people who don't have faith. And then here's what it's saying at the end of verse 4. It's saying those who do have faith are walking and living by faith. So, so it doesn't matter what's happening all around us. Individuals can be called out. You and I can be worked at blessing. Let's, let's talk about one of the worst ones. Let's talk about a marriage that's fallen apart. And so what you have is a husband and wife going at it, and divorce is talked about, imminent. It's coming. And one of the, one of the, the spouses want to get, get things right and make things right and get it fixed and all that kind of thing, but the other one doesn't. Here's what God says. Individuals can walk by faith even if they both don't. Even if both of them don't, it, and it could end up in terrible destruction, and we see it all around us, don't we? We see these kinds of things happen everywhere all around us. My wife and I meet with couples all the time. We probably meet with uh, uh, eight or ten couples a month who, who have gone through problems and as all, because, because largely because God has done some crazy healing, blessing, and miracles in our marriage. So as a result of that, they're sitting in our living room, we're talking over coffee, we're praying with them, we're sharing, here's what God did in our lives. And so many times, God brings healing and restoration. There's been adultery, there's been all kinds of stuff. God can do that, He does it. But oftentimes, one of them doesn't want to respond. And so in that moment, in that time of one of the spouses kind of rejecting and turning away from God or running away, there's this inevitable shattered marriage, brokenness of a family. And when that happens, we just weep along with God, along with you. And you see this in family members and friends all the time. But here's what we try to tell the other one. You can still walk by faith. You can still live by faith in the Son of God. You can still trust in Him. You can still believe in Him. And it doesn't come down to a dependence on everybody else. It's upon your walk with the Lord. It's, a, it's very interesting, isn't it, that, in, that it, this verse is quoted three times in the New Testament. The first one is Romans chapter 1, verse 17. So you perhaps you remember that verse. It's talking about the gospel. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Then he says, the righteous shall live by faith. So you think Paul, what's Paul doing is he's connecting the message of Habakkuk. And the message of Habakkuk is pointing to trusting in there's a Savior coming. There's a deliverance coming. There's something happening in the future, and it's coming. It's going to deliver. It's going to bring you freedom. It's on its way. Believe and receive. 
The second one is in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, where it's talking about the contrast between the law and the faith. And Paul says, we're not here to just follow the rules of the law. The following the rules of the law is not going to save you. By faith, you're going to be delivered. So it's a trust in Jesus Christ. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it's a powerful passage of Scripture where it talks about the fact that these people were, were actually thankful and joyfully, it says this, we're joyfully receiving the plunder of our properties. And it says this, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And our opportunity, no matter what's going on, is to trust Jesus Christ. Why? He gave us that example, didn't he? Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? There he was. He, he was praying. He was getting ready to die on the cross the next day. And his whole thing was, what do I, I, I don't want to do this. Not my will, but your will be done. And so he gave us the example of what it means to walk by faith. And faith in God who would not ultimately abandon him. And our faith now is built upon that work of Christ on the cross because in the Garden of Eden, he didn't, he didn't resist God's will, but he said, not my will, but your will be done. So it comes down to a trust issue. Finally, in verses 5 through 11, we see that God always has a bigger plan. And if you read these verses, you won't understand. Because Habakkuk didn't understand. The rest of the whole book of Habakkuk is, I don't get it, but I'm going I'm to walk by faith. I don't understand it, but even if there's no crops in the field, if there's no animals in the barn, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to depend upon you. I'm going to seek you. Our pain and our problems, what you and I face here today, is un unexplainable, very difficult. But it points us to the fact that God does his work in this world for his glory and his way. You see, there's another verse quoted in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul. And it's in Acts chapter 13. And it's actually kind of a surprising verse from Habakkuk. It's very interesting that the Apostle Paul is preaching in Antioch. And Antioch is miles from Jerusalem. There are very few um, Jewish people around. There are some. But why are these Jewish people living in Antioch? Well, Paul goes to this place. Why? To take the gospel to the Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? We are Gentiles. Any Jews here? Very few, okay, we got a couple, but most of us are Gentiles, all right? And so this message is for me because I'm not a Jewish person. Here's what happened. In 586 B.C., the Chaldeans invaded Judah. And when they invaded Judah and Jerusalem, the Jews spread across the world. And when some of these Jews got to a place called Antioch, 
600 years later, they built a little synagogue. And when they built this little synagogue, they gathered together there. And guess who came and joined them? In Acts chapter 13, Paul is preaching and he says, Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those of you who fear God. Guess who was there? Jewish people and our forefathers. We are here today because our Gentile forefathers heard the message of the gospel through the apostle Paul preaching in a synagogue 600 years before they had been spread across the world. And so when Paul preaches the gospel, he quotes Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 in Acts 13, 41. And he says, this is the fulfillment of that verse. The Apostle Paul saw the book of Habakkuk and said, wait a minute, I'm seeing it all come together. And it wasn't five years later. It wasn't ten years later. Six hundred years later, and after the cross of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel goes to our ancestors so that then they could come to Christ, so they could make disciples, so they could make disciples, and so finally, your fathers, your grandfathers, my fathers, my grandfathers could hear the message of Christ because it's not just for Jews. And God says in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, I, even, if you, even if you tried, if I tried to explain it, you wouldn't understand. But the message of the gospel is that he does do his great work. I hope that your situation gets better. I hope it doesn't get worse before it gets better. And I pray that things go best for you and for me. But more importantly, when they're not going so well, there's a bigger prayer. And that prayer is that we'll look to God's Word, right? That we'll learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And we'll trust that God has a bigger plan to accomplish His work years and years and years. My wife and I just re returned from three-week ministry tour in Sri Lanka and India. I'm actually transitioning out of Valley Church into missions, and my wife and I are going to be doing some traveling, training pastors um, all over the world. Uh, unless something changes, it'll be in, it'll be in v Vietnam in October. And so little things like that, and God's kind of changing and upsetting and doing different things. Well, here's something interesting. Barbara and I were traveling over there, and we, we had lived in New Delhi from 1985 to 1990 as missionary. Well, not a missionary visa, but as students, okay? We had a student visa to be there. We developed many different friends. But as a result of our travel this time, we were able to spend an extra day in New Delhi and meet with some of these friends again, go to church with some, but also see some of our non-Christian friends. And in the midst of all of this, I told my wife, I said, Honey, is it time for us to share our story of redemption and healing and restoration in our lives to them 
so they can hear the gospel in a different way. And of course, it was. Our story is that our, I was very destructive in our marriage. I committed adultery years ago. Finally, into a year, I was carried all of that. It was, it was horrible. Carried all of that for years. In 2008, I confessed that in front of Valley Church. I resigned from Valley Church as one of the pastors. And I, and I just worked in odd jobs. But God began to heal and God began to restore. And in that whole restoration process, now, all, all these years later, nine years later, God is allowing us even to be back working at Valley Church. I mean, that's the way he does it. And then he brings it even more full circle when we were in New Delhi. There we were among Christians and friends, and we were able to, to talk to them and tell their story. And as, as I sat down with Vijay, his name, his wife, we sat there and we told how that the cross of Jesus Christ is what brought healing and rest, restoration. I tell you, when we were going through that, would anyone have said, this makes sense? Would anyone have said, now we understand? We see that the, all of this, your, your sin, Jordan, we see that? No. But what God has begun to do is to bring restoration and full circle healing like he wants to do in all of our lives, like he wants to do for each of us, so we can be restored, so we can be healed, so we can trust, and we can walk with Him. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, forgiveness and restoration and healing is beyond understanding the way you give freedom and forgiveness and help and blessing we we don't understand it the way you bring the way you bring and use pain and difficulty and brokenness and sin to your glory the way you restore and heal is just is just amazing Thank you for the cross. Thank you for what the cross has meant for me. Saving my marriage. Saving our family. We have an intact family. Our, our kids will be at our house for lunch today. We have, a, we have a blessing. We have a joy. And I don't deserve that. I do not deserve that, Lord. But you are healing. And you are bringing grace. And you're bringing the gospel through my kids, through the work of Christ in traveling and meet, meeting with pastors in, all over the world, through meeting with our non-Christian friends in New Delhi. And I pray even through the ministry of the Word of God here at Creekside that your glory would be proclaimed beautiful and understand and, and bless your holy name. Thank you for these dear people. Will you bless them in their, um, 
in all that the changes that they're going through. New pastor coming. Would you bless Pastor Steve? Would you encourage the, he and his wife in this whole transition? Would you bless the leaders here? Would you allow that the ministry of the gospel to be powerful, to be transforming, to glorify your name and the work of Christ go forth? We ask that you would... Um, do these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Um, we're going to have a time where we take the bread and drink the cup as a way to remember what Jesus has done for us. You know, Isaiah said that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And when we take the bread and the cup, we remember that Jesus entered in to our suffering entered into the night and the destruction of this world so that we could enter into his joy. So if you're a believer this morning, we invite you to come up during this next song and to take the bread, to take the cup, to remember Jesus and what he has done for you. If you're not a believer, we would love to talk with you more afterwards to answer any questions you may have uh, about why we do what we do and who Jesus is. So I'm going to give thanks for, for the bread and the cup. Father, we thank you for Jesus. How amazing that you, you take our sickness and our sorrow and our sin and you transform it because of what Jesus has done. He took those things on himself so that we could be clothed in righteousness. Father, we thank you.